Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And we realize that whenever Reformation happens, things get messy. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. Also, if you appreciate the content we're putting out, head on over to patreon.com backslash the messy reformation. Those donations will help us continue to put out good content and fight the good fight for reformation in the CRCNA. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Andrew Bianc. And now it, it does look pretty difficult just because the RCA already has made a, the gracious separation decision. And, you know, I think they've already had 50 churches in the first, uh, you know, in, in January left and they're forming ARC and the kingdom network. And, and yep. so I know some are holding on. It seems like at least in Wisconsin, some of the RCA churches are kind of holding on and kind of peeking over the edge at the CRC um, at our upcoming synod, kind of wondering what we're going to do here and and they might make a decision accordingly but but I also know that many RCA churches they're really leery about coming into the CRC because they're worried they're going to come in and have to just fight all the same battles that they've just been fighting so what do you think we would have to do at this upcoming synod in order for RCA churches to feel comfortable um entering into fellowship with us yeah well, um, you know, my response to that question is not just my opinion, because I, we as a, um, as a classis here in BC, BC Northwest, we've had uh, some initial, very initial conversation with classis BC of the RCA, which is a, a, a network, you know, a group of, I think, almost 15 congregations, fairly small congregations, but they... Um, wrote a letter to our classes um, asking for the possibility of, of dialoguing together about uh, a possible affiliation. Um, and yeah, but they wanted, you know, us to be clear that uh, that affiliation would really only go forward if our denomination made a clear decision on you know, traditional marriage and kind of put an end to the the ongoing challenge and dialogue by, you know, either making it confessional or but doing something that uh, even in the matter of kind of church disciplining each other, but doing something to sort of say, this is this is our position and 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 we're going to put some teeth in it too by, you know, declaring it confessional or whatever. So um I think that's what is necessary. You know, if the RCA or some churches in the RCA would consider affiliating with us, it would be necessary that sort of the, the conversation is, is in that sense over. You know, we've made a decision now. 
um, either declaring it confessional or uh, and and um, and agreeing this is the kind of thing that we envision in terms of church discipline if people continue to to challenge it and 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 so because you're right they they were very clear you know we've been talking about this for 25 years and whenever uh, people in the RCA have said we need to listen carefully to each other. We need to dialogue more and understand. They said the experience we've had is that's just prolonging uh, the inevitable because um, and in the inevitable meaning, eventually everybody will come around or they'll be worn out and they'll have left and the more progressive side will uh, remain. And, um, and, and yeah, so they don't want that anymore. They don't want to be part of a denomination that keeps dialoguing or that even has a, a slightly open door for, for more uh, conversation, so to speak, on this issue. Um, and, you know, um, that's not just the RCA. We, we in our classes have a number of congreg Korean congregations that are in the process of affiliating with the CRC. Uh, they most of them come out of the Canadian Presbyterian Church, but you know they were Korean congregations within the Presbyterian denomination in Canada. Um, some of them were not denominationally affiliated at all, but they're coming to the CRC. Why? For some of the very reasons that we talked about initially. You know the things that we appreciate about the CRC. They see, they appreciate a denominational structure like ours, but. Um, if our denomination were to, to go affirming on marriage, um, it's almost certain they would stop that affiliation process almost immediately. They're, they're not looking for a denomination that will affirm same-sex marriage. In fact, that's partly one of the reasons they pulled away from the Presbyterian church or, or not fully affir affiliating with that because they're concerned about what that has happened there. Uh, with the Presbyterian Church of Canada. So it's not just the RCA, it's other churches that are perhaps interested in affiliating with us. And so, um, in my opinion, it would be very helpful for our future to be clear about what the Bible teaches on marriage, to be clear that the traditional understanding of marriage and of human sexuality um, is, uh, is what we hold and believe and and I think God will open doors, perhaps, for us to see um, maybe new partnerships and new affiliations emerge. Yeah, Amen. And uh, you, we've uh, we've talked about this quite a bit. It's uh, a lot of the CRC churches that I've been talking to recently as well have been, you know, they've been wrestling with, um, you know, at what point are we, can we no longer be in, in the CRC, um, you know, in good conscience? And, and I think uh, one of the points you had mentioned was um, coming to a clear idea of how, how discipline is going to happen. And uh, many of the churches I've talked to have said, that's really the line for them, that we can, we can affirm the report um, and we can make it, con give it confessional, well, the report says it already has confessional status. Yeah. So we just will hold that. Um, but if we're unwilling to then enact, you know, put, put the rubber to the road and, and enact discipline in this area, then 
uh, many churches are saying um, we can't be here then either because then we don't really believe what we say we believe. And so it's going to be um, this upcoming synod, like you said, is going to it's going to be really tough. I feel like we can feel all of the tension, right? Because there's been two synods that have been canceled already. And so the, all of that tension has been building and building and building. Um, you can just tell in denominational communications that everybody knows that this feels like something's ready to kind of explode, even though you're seeing communications come through saying, oh, don't worry about synod. Don't worry about it. The spirit will work. And, and yeah, we all know that, but, um, but some of us are just worried how the spirit is going to work as far as is the spirit going to work in, 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 in from some of our point of view, in judgment on the CRC for our unfaithfulness, or is the spirit going to work in bringing about revival in, in the CRC? And that's really kind of the worry there. But, um, but if we take a clear stance, we, we've talked about this pretty repeatedly on this podcast, um, all of the clear benefits of us finally just Putting, drawing a line in the sand, taking a really clear stance and saying, here's where we stand, here's where we are, um, take it or leave it. And, it, and then, um, like you had mentioned, the gracious separation option, I think, saying, if you can't serve in our denomination in good conscience, we're not going to hold you hostage. Go serve somewhere where you can serve in your good conscience and, and then freely work that way. And all of the benefits that will flow, I think, Clarity, and then we can actually start having some conversations about how to how to minister to to homosexuals in our congregations, right? Or people who are struggling with homosexuality. We can start to actually wrestle with how to do discipline um, in our denomination because we can't even have those conversations because we're still dealing with some of these surface conversations about should we say it's a sin or not? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, I think. The whole matter of pastoral care is is so difficult to talk about um, when we haven't been clear about what we believe concerning the scriptures, what it teaches about marriage and about human sexuality. I, I totally agree. I think that's um, and because we we have some work to do in terms of good pastoral care. We do. I, I, I would be the first to admit that. And and yet when you're when you're living, when you're in a denomination where the climate is such that you have some people saying, well, pastoral care is affirming the way God made them with their same-sex attraction, with their sexual identity, affirming that and, and giving them room at the table to, to, to live out that identity. And you have others saying, well, it may very well be that that is a, 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 a very core part of their sense of personhood. but you know, as they've come to faith in Christ and to their new identity in Christ, there is a, a genuine transformation that, that can help them overcome some of the, 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 the challenges, the temptations, the desires that they have, you know, and, and, and we can do that very lovingly. We can say that, and I believe we, you know, um, so you're right. Pastoral care is, is hard in a climate where we haven't been clear about what the scriptures teach. Yeah. And, and I think pastors are feeling the pressure to, to try to understand how to counsel our members in some of these situations. Right. I mean, recently I've had, I've had to sit down with a, a man from my congregation who was 
um, wrestling with um, transitioning to become a woman. Right. And so I had to wrestle with him and, and try to try to walk through that. And, and we were actually able to have a conversation that went well. And, and he felt like I wasn't beating on him because I didn't love him, but I, I was trying to guide him in, in a certain way because I cared for him and thought this is what was best for him. And we had that kind of a conversation. But I've also I have members in my church right now who are, who are teachers in the public school, and they're really wrestling with how in the world they're to faithfully minister to these students who uh, the one teacher said that she has a couple students who are, you know, changing their pronouns on a weekly basis. And she's trying to figure out, should I, should I do, should I go with that or not? Or should I say no? And how do I communicate with these kids? And, and, and we've kind of touched on it. The sexuality report touches on that stuff a little bit. Um, but I think we've got a lot of work to do. Um, to really come to clear understanding on on all of these things, and uh, and I don't think we'll ever get to that deeper work until we take a stand on some of these just surface level surface level areas, and then we can really start helping our pastors and our people figure out how to do ministry well. Yeah, Amen. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, one of the questions that we ask and uh, is, you know, what steps do you think we need to start taking then um, to see reformation happen in the Christian Reformed Church? And maybe I'll make that a little more specific. Um, what steps should we be taking um, leading up to this upcoming synod so that we're ready as a denomination to, um, to take a stand um, and, and to make a real clear decision on this? Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I obviously we, we need to continue praying and I know there's been movements of prayer that have been springing up, which I think are all, you know, are all good. Um, and, uh, so within abide, there's a prayer move, the network of prayer and denominationally now Colin Watson is encouraging us to pray as classes together. And, um, so that's important, but you know, as we approach synod, um, perhaps one of the most important things we can do is um, have good, good dialogues at classes, and in my view, um, be uh, pretty intentional about uh, who the delegates are that we're sending to synod. Um, yeah, that obviously at at synod, it's going to be. Um, discussed on the floor and 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 so you want delegates that are attending who are um are are affirming of that report in my opinion and um yeah. which you know i hate to talk i hate it sounds so strategic and it sounds a bit political like we gotta make sure that the delegates are are primed and and ready to go and um but in my mind that that is necessary i think i mean imagine if if synod and I'm, you know, had something else on the table, maybe it was a, re it was some kind of a, a report on um, how do we understand uh, the, the deity of Christ, you know, and, and is that an essential part of our uh, Christian doctrine and witness? 
you know, maybe we're questioning a little bit of that for whatever reason. I'm obviously we're not, but just imagine there was something weighty on the like that on the agenda. I don't think many people, most people, maybe not, most people would say you got to get the right delegates there. You know, you have to get delegates who are orthodox on the deity of Christ because this is, you know, and I actually think personally that this issue is a bit of a litmus test issue. It is a significant issue. This issue is not just about same-sex marriage. It's about how we read the Bible. And it's about how we understand the scriptures, how to interpret them, and what kind of authority they have. Because um, we disagree with, you know, the two sides on this issue of human sexuality. We, we actually are disagreeing with some of those fundamental questions about what's the authority of scripture and how do we interpret it rightly. So. Um, and I, I, I'm in this conversation with a number of people, and, and not, that, not that long ago, someone in a, in a, uh, a listserv group that I'm part of, someone shared, okay, this is how I think we should read the Bible. And he's, this person affirms same-sex marriage. And he questions, you know, even in that, the way we've traditionally read the Bible. And so, you know, I was pleased because it just laid out quite clearly that we're not reading the Bible the same way anymore. In spite of what people might say, we're not. The, so it's important that this issue be dealt with rightly, uh, that we, you know, uh, send the right delegates to synod because mm -hmm. this, this is an important issue. It's not just like Say, you know, everybody keeps saying, oh, it's kind of like women in office. Why can't we have a local option? That seemed to sort of work. Well, it didn't work that well, but it seemed to. And I, I keep saying, but it's not the same issue. This is not the same issue. It's, it's different. It's, um, we need the right delegates that's in it. I think that's going to be really important. I, I would yeah. say, yeah. And I'm, I know the other side is feeling the same way. They want to see the right delegates go to synod too. So, yeah, it's going to be incumbent for us at Classes to really discern together and maybe to talk together about ensuring that the right delegates go. As political and as strategic as that sounds, I think it's still, I think it's still necessary. Yeah, well, and the cynic, the cynic could say it's all uh, political, strategic, relying on man's power. But, but if you want to get below that, you're, all we're saying is we want qualified delegates going. Yeah. Who right. who hold to our confessions, right? That right. the report says this is already in our confessions, and we're saying we just want people who are who have signed the covenant of office. I mean, I know this will be controversial, but people who've signed the covenant for office bearers in good conscience and affirm our confessions and, and God's word. That's all we're looking for is people who are going to who affirm that, and then we'll we'll debate and have conversation about that at at synod and, and stand firm on those things. So it's, yeah, you can make it sound super cynical and I'm actually all for strategy. I think, you know, the beauty of the, the reformed faith is we believe in secondary causes and that God works through means. Right. And so God does work through strategies and, and whatever, but, but at the basis of sending solid delegates to synod is just qualified people. Right. Um, but even beyond that, I do want to encourage people to be thinking, um, we're going to be having this conversation at our classes next week. We're going to be um, picking our delegates. And part of the conversation we've had on our delegates is 
not only do we need people who are just willing to, who are solid on this position, but because there's going to be a lot of discussion and a lot of debate, we need people who are going to be willing to, to speak up as well. Um, and so there's some guys who, who are really solid and great and love the guys, but they're like, I'm never going to stand up at Synod and say anything. I'll just, you know, and, and I think it's important to have people who are willing to stand up and enter into the discussion and, and to be able to kind of speak in, in, uh, I think speak with conviction for sure, but also, um, winsomely as well. Right. We don't want to have a lot of just screeching and yelling, but, um, but we want to speak with conviction there too. And so I've been encouraging classes to think that way too. We want to have people speak winsomely, but, but also with conviction at Synod. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think, you know, in, in a classes like mine, um, I, I'm not entirely sure where uh, the churches stand and where the delegates all will stand on this issue when we meet together at the beginning of March. I, I, I have a sense that our classes is, you know, kind of 50-50, maybe, roughly. I, it's hard for me to know, to be honest. I wouldn't have said that two years ago, but now that Two years has passed. We've gone through this really unusual time. Um, I think things have shifted a little bit in in the denomination on this issue. Maybe shifted a little bit more affirming. If I could, I, that's yeah. just I, that's anecdotal. I don't have evidence, but that's my my feel. So in a classes like mine, I I'm hoping that okay, let's say fifty percent of the delegates are are more affirming. And the other 50 are more traditional, or maybe some of them will be kind of in the middle. But maybe the wise thing for us to do then is, is have, okay, two delegates that are more on the tradition and two delegates that are more, rather, you know, at least that, let's, at least we're being intentional about the delegates. Because otherwise, you're going to have one side trying to send four delegates that, that go with their view and four, you know what I mean? And then... Yeah. So it maybe we just send two and two or something, or but at least we're being open about it. We're trying to, yeah, be courteous, you know, civil with each other. Because I can see in my classes, if if I was really standing up and saying they all got to be orthodox or all got to be traditional, there's going to be pushback, and maybe that it'll be the opposite. Mm. You get my sense, like yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's probably um, a conversation that's just going to have to happen in various classes. We, instead of just kind of ignoring it, right? Um, I think it just needs to come up and say, "Where do you stand on this?" and and how do we? Who are we sending as a classes? Um, for me, I'm I'm from a a conservative class, as I would say, ninety percent of the churches in our classes are would land uh, are in agreement with the report and so on and so forth. So. Um, so we're not necessarily trying to figure out that balance. We're trying to figure out, um, yeah, which people are going to be able to speak into issues um, and who's who's just has the energy to do it. Too. You know, we have a few guys that are like, man, life and ministry has been wearing me out the last few years, and I just don't have the physical or emotional energy uh, to enter into this, into synod, because it's going to be exhausting. And so they're like, I don't think I've got it in them. So, so it's kind of a different conversation here, but, but either way, I think you're right. We just need to have the conversation. And if we have it at class, at the classical level, 
that hopefully can spill over a little bit into the synodical level as well, where we can, maybe there are some, everybody says fights a bad word, but maybe we need to have some just healthy fights at, at the classical level. And that'll set up synod to be less of a hotbed, but maybe that's a little too uh, naive thinking. I think it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty hot at, at synod either way, but, um, but we definitely need to have those conversations on, on who we're sending. Right. Yeah. I, I think it probably won't be helpful for classes because most of the time, at least in my 22 years of ministry, we've never uh, asked delegates. So what are you going to decide on this issue? You know what I mean? We've, I've never yeah. experienced, I've never experienced that. We've never kind of held delegates to a particular view on, on, on an, on a decision that that Synod has to make. But this year, we're kind of saying, you know, where do you stand? I mean, we're not saying you have to vote in a certain way, but we are asking. So, and some people are feeling uncomfortable with that. That's kind of like in, in infringing on the, the deliberative process and, and the work of the spirit and that sort of thing. I, I would disagree. I would say it's going to be healthier rather than just kind of leaving it up to the spirit and not knowing at all what the delegates think or what they're leaving it kind of up to the spirit. I don't think that will be as healthy as saying, let's have the conversation in classes. If our classes is, I don't know, 75% affirming and 25% traditional. Okay. Let's send three and one, or you know what I mean? Like um, let's yeah. try to, to, to do that in, and, and just, um, be transparent about how we're feeling on this issue and, 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 and allow the right people to go to synod to, to that's, I think that's better than just not talking about it and sending four people there and, and hoping that it all works out in the. Yeah. Well, and then just recently I've heard of some classes this year for the first time um, talking about sending delegates based on lot. And yeah, uh, yeah, just casting true. lots for for delegates, and and I I have a particular hobby horse against lots because I think God has given us minds and and uh, we use them, and so but I I don't think that's going to be helpful. I think that's just an unhealthy view of how the spirit works, and uh, and it, it it's again trying to bypass some of the the deliberative nature I, that the reason. The reason we set synod up the way it is, and the reason we talk about it all the time being a deliberative body, is we believe that the Holy Spirit moves through through conversation and deliberation amongst delegates and and all of that. We think like that the Bible shows that the Spirit moves through those means, not just kind of mystically through lots. And so if we really believe that as a church, then that deliberation needs to happen at the classical level as well. The spirit will move as we have some tense conversations at that level and, and we'll work to have, uh, you know, the delegates, um, the right delegates go. But, but just to try to bypass that and, and just say, oh, we're just trusting in the sovereignty of God on this one. I think uh, it seems like a cop out and it seems like we're just too afraid to, um, to have a, a disagreement or a fight. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I don't know if we want to spend more, t- but I wouldn't have a problem with drawing for lots if I knew that the people who were drawing lots for were qualified. If I knew 
that they, you know, uh, were faithful to the understanding of scripture or the traditional understanding of scripture on, you know, if, if I knew that they were qualified and capable persons, then drawing lots would be probably okay. You know, we do that for elders and deacons. They're vetted by a nomination committee. They're, they're approved by, the names are approved by council as people who conceivably, you know, could right, faithfully serve as elders because we know they're men of integrity or women of integrity. We know that they believe the, the scriptures. So, you know what I mean? We're not, yeah. we're not drawing a lot on people who think very differently about the Bible than, than, than we do, or, you know what I mean? And so in this, exactly. case, in this case, I would, yeah, I would agree with you. Um, yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our typical hour-long interview, and so I just want to give you an opportunity. Do you what we have? We have pastors who listen listen to this. We have lay people that listen to this. Do you have any any just final words you want to give them regarding maybe the future of the CRC or our kind of um, where they should should rest as they kind of maybe look forward or are looking ahead to this upcoming synod with a little bit of tension? What what kind of final words do you want to leave them with? Oh, um, well, I, I, I would want to make an appeal to people who are hoping that the CRC will remain moderate and will be a, a landing place or where both views can be held in unity and in mutual respect. And I want to make an appeal to people who are thinking that way to to look around them at the denominations that have tried that. And it hasn't worked well. There hasn't been a strong sense of unity. There hasn't been a, a keeping of churches together. I mean, there's, if anything, in denominations that have tried a big tent, and the, CR, the RCA is probably the latest example. You know, they've been trying to, to keep that place, to, that, that group together for a long time, and, and it's coming apart. Um, and that's been true in the PCUSA. It's happening in the Presbyterian Church of Canada. It's, it's happened in any number of denominations. Um, it, it doesn't work. It, it, so I'm speaking as an engineer, maybe a bit pragmatic, because <laughs> mm -hmm. I tend to be that way. But um, it, it doesn't foster healthy kind of unity uh, and uh, in, in terms of our mission to the world and so let's make a decision is what I would say. Let's decide as a CRC to uphold the tradition. Um, let's be very gracious with people who um, feel that they can't call the CRC their home and help, uh, you know, and, and not judge them or uh, become, yeah, you know, I think we've got to be gracious. We, we, do, a dis we do a disagree on this issue and I, I, I've learned that I can't convince my progressive friends biblically that they, they, they appeal to the same Bible. That's why it's got to be made confessional, because we're both appealing to the Bible. Let's make a decision, and if necessary, part ways, because trying to stay together does not work. Um, and it only results in denominations eventually going progressive. They'll stay moderate for a while, and eventually they'll move to becoming fully affirming, fully progressive on this. And um, that's not a future for the conservative element. So we need to make a decision. I hope it's one that affirms our tradition 
And I hope it'll allow both parties to, to move on and begin uh, getting back to the real mission of the church, which is to bear witness to Christ and his kingdom, calling people to, to faith and repentance. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week to hear from another faithful pastor in the CRC. Until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.